Hello, beautiful people. I'm Patrick. And I'm Wojciech. And you are listening to Brains and Beards show. Episode number four. Holy Grail or how to share code between web and mobile. Enjoy. Hey, Patrick, how are you? Hey, Wojtek, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, thank you. So today we're meeting to talk about the holy grail of uh, of all the product teams, uh, which would be sharing the code between the mobile app and the web application. We, we get this question asked a lot of times, and um, it's not as easy as it might think, even though you might use React on the web and you might use React Native on the mobile. It might be quite difficult to share the code, uh, and we all know that 100% code sharing is this elusive goal that everybody seems to be pursuing nowadays. So let's talk about this, okay? Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, for me, it's like, you know, if you are, the, let's say, CEO or CTO, and you decided to have the, the React on the web and React Native on the, the mobile, at least you have that in back of your head that you think, okay, perhaps I don't have to rewrite all the code. Uh, perhaps I don't have to write this code twice and perhaps I can use some of the code between web and mobile. And um, so I would like to discuss with you, you know, like uh, what can be shared, what can't be shared and how it can be uh, proceed. Like how do you can make it happen that some of your code is shared, but as well, like I discuss a little bit between what is a code sharing and what is uh, an idea of writing the app once and running it uh, everywhere? Because that's a two different, completely different ideas. And at the end of the episode, uh, we would like to share something else, uh, like a, a secret sauce, secret idea, um, which perhaps uh, if you're just starting with, uh, with mobile and, and web, uh, which you perhaps may be missing, but which is uh, a great opportunity if you have React on uh, both platforms, uh, what else you can do a part of the code sharing. So, you know, like a small teaser to stick to the end of the ep episode. Okay. I will definitely stick around till the end then. <laughs> Great. Okay. So I, I just would like to start with a list of obvious things, which nobody will argue about. And this is going to be a list about a list about what can be shared for sure. And what can't be sh shared. Like for example, what I would say, uh, you can always share uh, your communication layer with the API between web and mobile, uh, including the parsing, because that's sometimes you have to do it in both platforms. You, you get some JSON and you would like to kind of uh, out, make out of this JSON objects uh, some, some nice typed uh, TypeScript uh, models, let's say. So you can share this part. Um, and I mentioned another one, the types is something very obvious uh, what can be shared. Wait a minute. Uh, by communication layer, you uh, you mean all the networking code, right? So yes. if you would have like an e-commerce, you want to fetch products, that you would have some kind of fetch products function and it would be the same exact function on the web and on the mobile. And it will do use some common networking library. It will return the common networking types that we talked about in the TypeScript episode and it would uh, re-authenticate uh, with a new access token if the token expires and all the all this stuff, right? This exactly. is the whole thing. Awesome. That sounds like a lot already. Yeah. 
Then um, something as well, very easy to think about it, like colors, um, perhaps translations are very easy to share. Then I would um, include into sharing part, uh, you know, part of your setup projects, yeah, like ESLint, TSConfig and Pritia uh, config files. And I think it's super important, and I, I will go back to this point, why, it's, why I think it's so super important to, to have both uh, um, repositories in sync and um, that they look the same. I will talk about that later because, as I, as I said, I think it's a crucial thing to make it uh, right. Then you can think about uh, stores and reducers. I would put a maybe, perhaps, on it. Perhaps, you know, it's a good idea. Perhaps you don't want to have the same stores, but this is something, you know, you can think about, but it's shareable. So, Patrick, you listed all the parts of the app that are easy to share. What about things that are difficult or even impossible to share? Can we talk a bit about that? Well, impossible is nothing, right? It depends on how much money you put on it. But let's yeah, say that's, that's something which is, <laughs> let's say something which is kind of harder in comparison to the other list, it would be um, screen navigation and very, very specific platform parts of, of the app, uh, like uh, notifications, geolocations, permissions, because they not even 100% shareable between iOS and Android. And imagine if you want to pull um, inside as well the web, then you would have like really a lot of if-elses in your code. So, you know, it can be done, of course, <laughs> it can be one function, function uh, but probably it won't be very, very readable function. And I guess you wouldn't like to do it. Yeah, so, definitely. It has to split, the, the code branches have to split somewhere underneath anyway. That's a, that's yeah. a good point. So uh, as you see on this list, we haven't mentioned something like components, right? So, so, and this is like the interesting part, like <laughs> a lot of visual stuff is in components. Like, can we share it? Is that possible? What do you think? Do you have an experience with that? Uh, yeah, as you said, everything is possible because we're using computers, right? So, uh, but uh, being completely uh, serious, yeah, yes, that's possible. Uh, I think more and more product teams are doing that. And there are various ways to approach it. Uh, one of this, uh, I think one of the things, first solutions to, to share component code between web and, uh, web and mobile uh, was Re React XP. I think it was from Microsoft. It's been around for a long time. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about it because last time that I used it was around to maybe three years ago. And I did not really enjoy it. There was a limitation that you have to use the components from React XP, which uh, were containers around components from React Native or uh, HTML elements. And I did not like this approach. It, it felt like it was difficult to add your own components there. And, uh, but, this was a long time ago. It probably has changed since then, but I cannot either recommend or recommend not to use it. So let's focus on a newer solution, which is React Native Web. I think it's mm -hmm. taking the world by storm. Uh, I think the first popular usage of it was when Twitter decided to build their a mobile version of their web app uh, they built it in React Native and then they 
compiled it to HTML using React Native Web, which seems ridiculous because it never went to mobile, but for some obscure performance reasons that I don't remember nowadays, uh, it seemed to make sense for them. Uh, it was a very high profile usage of React Native Web. And now it's um, even more popular. And uh, the idea of React Native Web is you write React Native components. So for example, you use view elements, text, uh, and React Native styling. And then React Native Web compiles it into HTML. So like a view becomes a diff, a text becomes a span element, uh, and it translates the styles as well. So you're able to have one component that uh, instead of only working for iOS and Android, also magically works for web. This has advantages and disadvantages. The obvious advantage is you only have to write it once, and this is great. The disadvantage is that it's easy to share when you're starting with mobile app and you want to build a web app on top of it. However, if you started with a web app, then you have HTML code and you have to write the React Native code anyway. Maybe it's fairly easy to write it because you look at the HTML and like in your mind translate the diffs into views and spans into text. Uh, but you have to write this code again. Uh, it's you cannot just take the existing web app code and magically make it into React Native. So this is some kind of uh, constraint. And I think uh, React Native Web is what Expo uses to, to be able to compile web projects out of your Expo project. There is a project that I've been uh, involved with called uh, A Better Route Planner. It's a navigation app for electric cars that help them plan the journey. And they have an interesting case where they were even able to share something that you mentioned earlier that's difficult to share, the navigation. Because the edge case of a navigation application is that you have one main screen that displays the map and everything in the app is displayed on it. This makes it difficult to actually build a performant version of this app because Displaying some, a map is difficult to, to display. And then you have to really avoid reloadings and uh, you have to very tightly control what's, what's being re-rendered. Re uh, however, the benefit is that you don't really switch the screens. Instead, you have models popping up and disappearing. You have sidebars, uh, you have information displayed in the map markers, and you don't really switch the screens. So you can have this exactly same experience on the web and on the mobile without uh, having to have separate uh, navigation libraries. Because in the end, they have uh, a particular case where their web version is not really designed. Well, it's designed to display on desktop computers, but also on the infotainment screens of cars. And so it's understandable that it's kept, uh, kept simple visually. Uh, and yeah, so they have a code base which is uh, using React Native Web and shares all the three, uh, and the code is shared between all the three platforms. Another thing that comes to mind when talking about component sharing are design systems. It's very popular nowadays to create first a visual language for your product, and then later use this visual language to build your applications, whether web or mobile. And if you would be able to share this design language 
though, which includes basic components, which uh, includes, uh, for example, how a title looks like, what kind of font it uses, what's the weight of it, uh, what kind of card components do you, do you have, and all those things, well, all the icons, stuff like that. The, the idea is that you, the only presentational components are within the design system, and the apps just take the visual elements from the design system and put them together. So uh, I think out of this idea came the architecture of the Nosby application. There is a great talk by Radek Pietruszewski from the Chain React Conf, uh, where he talks about uh, how they built a new version of the, of the Nosby app. And as far as I remember, what they do is uh, for the presentational component, they have a mobile version and they have a .web.js, which would be the mobile version when they write HTML. And once they created all those presentational components, then they are free to combine them in a platform agnostic style. So for example, if you display a list of items, the list would be a shared would be one component shared across all the platforms, but the items that are being displayed will use the components that are platform specific. They could have an a uh, list item for iOS using like .ios.js or for Android .android.js or for the web .web.js. So they, that's a nice idea combining the design system with code sharing. I think um, if somebody has an opportunity to start from scratch and plan it this way and do all this preparation work uh, upfront, it's a very nice solution to have. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. that would be like how to share and then like where to share because some, this, this shared code has to live somewhere, right? Ah, yeah, that's a completely different kind of worms, right? So there are basically two approaches uh, that come to my mind, at least. Uh, one of them would be having a monorepo, a single Git repository that contains all the web code, all the mobile code, and sometimes even backend code. Or the other solution is to split the code that is shared into multiple modules, and you have separate projects that import those modules. For example, you could have uh, private NPM modules that you're importing both in your React Native app and your web React app. And for example, in, a, in such an NPM module, you could have uh, defined the translations or the common colors that are used in the apps, or whole functions for business logic or Redux reducers. So uh, you could use either the, the private NPM modules for that, or you could use the Git submodules. The question which one to use is, I think, mostly depending on how much code do you share. Because the more code you share, the more benefits you see using the monorepo approach, because if you only have to deal with the code sharing, I don't know, once a week, once every two weeks, then it makes sense to uh, switch to a different directory, change the code in the uh, shareable module, and then make sure you import the new version. And th because there's an extra overhead to org synchronize those projects. And if you do it every day and you normally work on sh like 90% of your code is shared, then probably a monorepo is much easier because you make a change in one file and you don't have to 
run npm install or anything like this. You can just run the web version of your app, the mobile version of the app, and make sure that the, the change works on all the platforms. Uh, so yeah, but the, the drawback is that whenever you make a change, you have to change all, check all, recheck all the platforms. While if you use those private NPM modules, you would bump a version of the module and then uh, the web version might decide they want to update to a new version or might not update. So until, until they decide to update, you don't have to recheck the web version. And it could be like you make multiple changes before you have to check everything works for web. So yeah, I think that's the, the question whether to go for a monorepo or not depends mostly on how much code are you sharing uh, in practice. Yeah, I have another point of view on that as well. Um, I think it uh, depends very much if you are um, a consumer or a creator of this shared code. Because if you are just a consumer, uh, you have much easier time. The, like independently, independently how this information, the new code comes to you, you just um, just just eating it, let's say. So um, it's it's the, the process for you is more uh, more transparent. Let's say you don't need to do so much more extra work. Uh, while when you are a producer, a creator, somebody who contributes a lot to this shared code, then definitely like monorepo is like less work for you because it's more in the flow. You don't have to change so many things. And additionally, just one more point, which I was thinking about it right now, is that um, it gives you, uh, the monorepo gives you an opportunity to um, be more in sync what is going on around. Because if the code, shared code is just living in some other repository, you may miss a lot of things, let's say. When you, you do the, the monorepo, you, you will see the, what merge request was merged, right? What, pull, uh, uh, what uh, pull request was merged, what was inside. You can just keep up with that, what is going on just by reading the Git history, which is not that easy if you have, uh, if you have to check to separate Git uh, histories. And yeah, so just something to, to, to think about it when you decide between the solutions. Yeah, that's true. And also it comes to my mind, you could be sharing code for developer tooling, like for scripts that you run when in development, for example, they set up your uh, development database, uh, things like this. And then if somebody on the mobile team decides to improve the script, then people on the backend team instantly reap the benefits because the, the script is improved because it's all in the same repo. So it's much easier to sync the developer tooling which is uh, on big teams, it might be an important part of the code base, like, like a significant size-wise part of the code base. The bigger the project gets, the, the more hoops you have to jump through to get your work done. And developer tooling is very important in this category. Yeah. Uh, okay, so maybe we could talk about, we talked about how to do it on the technical side, maybe let's talk about the people side of things, because as everybody knows, uh, in, in programming, all problems are people problems, right? Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, the, the older you are, the, the more likely you will face this kind of problems, let's say, or realize that those problems are the hardest one. So I have on my, on my notebook, a point, which is called marketing or why the great architects have tons of soft skills. And uh, 
And why, why is that so? What do I mean by that? You can have the most amazing idea, but this idea is worth nothing if you cannot bring everybody from the company behind it, basically. And um, uh, in this, in this world, uh, the, the execution is, is the, the most important thing. Here's the why. Because it doesn't matter how great your idea is of the, the shareable code, which is for sure very valuable for the company. This idea will bring some friction to your process. So why me as a developer should go in this direction and follow your idea if before I, I had like a better life. Now I have more processes which I have to uh, do before I can finish my ticket. And uh, just to bring an anecdote, we, we work with a client who, where the mobile team started uh, this uh, great repository uh, of shared code uh, with um, stuff for API, parsing and models. And it was meant that it will be used uh, on mobile and then as well on the web. But the months go by and this repository was never used on web. <laughs> and then, you know, the mobile team stacked with, with um, kind of cumbersome solution where you had to, to um, yeah, if you wanted to change it something with the API, as you said, you have to kind of check out the, the repository where the shared code is. You have to import it locally and make changes, then um, push the code to the shared repository, push the code to your mobile repository, and then create a new package and so on. It's a, lo a lot of things which if you wouldn't have this shared code would be just living in your, in your main repository and it wouldn't be a problem at all. Now, now you have it, everything on your head. And, uh, and this is why it's so important that everybody is behind this of idea of sharing. And, um, you as an architect um, or somebody who was charged with, with uh, executing this idea, um, you have to be very smart how to do it. And uh, it's very important that you um, move as well fast because if your CTO is going to ask you in, in some months that you, what is your progress and you haven't done anything yet because you're stuck in some discussions with everybody from the company how to do it, then of course that's the bad way of doing things as well. So you have to um, bring everybody, uh, you have to listen to everybody's ideas, but you cannot allow yourself to implement everything because you're not going to move from the, from the spot. And uh, what is very important is that uh, you listen to all the concerns everybody's bringing to you and, and you have to address them. Some of these concerns you can directly um, translate into, uh, into your code. So implement those ideas, uh, feedback. Some of them you will for sure put uh, for later on to the backlog and it's very important. And some of these concerns that, you know, you have to dismiss, but you cannot dismiss them uh, in the way that somebody feels rejected, right? You have to be very, very uh, mindful about how to do it. And uh, so everybody whose idea is being rejected, they have to know why. So they don't feel shut out, uh, but they feel like, you know, still being part of the whole process and they can still contribute. And uh, now I will come back to this, what I said, what can be shared. It's uh, I mentioned that it would be a good idea to share the ESLint, uh, Pretty and so on um, between the, the, the platforms. And this is as well why, because uh, you as an architect, you should make a home for everybody. So everybody should feel like at home in your shared repository or whatever you create to, to, to share 
um, to share the code <laughs> between the apps. And uh, I think the, the code styling and so on contributes a lot to this feeling that, you know, this code is okay. This code looks like mine code, so I can, uh, I can contribute to it. I can be a part of it. And I think this is super important. And I uh, think also, another point. I think also if you're using uh, linters and prettier, it makes it uh, very easy to close all the discussions around code styling because what is currently in those files, the ESLint config and the Preter config, this is how we style the code right now. And if you want to start a discussion about changing those files, changing the code style, this would be a separate pull request that it's totally irrelevant of whatever ticket you're working on right now. But if you want, you can start a discussion and create a new pull request that changes the rule and it's very easy to apply the new rule, rule to the whole repo. It's just a separate discussion and there should be a place for it, but it shouldn't be happening uh, as part of work on a ticket. So I think the bigger the, the bigger the amount of people that shares the ownership of the code, the more important it is to put those code, code styling discussions to a place of their own because they tend to take a lot of time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the technical view. But for me, like in this case, it's like really more about not the discussions, but about feeling the home feeling, you know, like you are in the safe place and you can contribute there because this is like the same as, as your own application. Because, you know, changing the, the platforms can be um, can be overwhelming. They are different concepts and so on. And it's good to to have like at least... Uh, some feel home feeling and and for me this is like how the code looks like is one of these things definitely um, it's an easy way to make the developer feel familiar and that's super important true yeah and the other thing is like what we mentioned at the beginning like the the secret source of of code sharing uh, or like a secret source what react and react native can bring to your company is is not the, about the code sharing at all it's like uh you would be it would be possible for for your company to allocate your developers between the projects because i would say that um like open minded uh, front end developer without mobile experience would ask, would understand like 80% of the mobile project code base without a problem and the the rest 20% is probably this nitty gritty um, details of, of hardcore mobile platform specific things like uh, Xcode, Android certificates, releasing uh, reviews and all that stuff, which, which, um, which doesn't move that much. You know, it, you, you do a lot of work in this 20% when the project starts and you do, you know, another hard work uh, in between the yearly uh, release cycles of uh, Android and iOS, but apart of that, you know, you don't do much work inside of this this twenty percent. Uh, and the most done is uh, the most work is done is in the you know in the components and PI and all the TypeScript stuff, and which you know it can be very easily understandable between um, between mobile and and the front end developer. And I think this is something which is often forgotten. Yeah. Like it, people are pushing, pushing into the, uh, let's share code, let's share code because then, uh, we don't have to, I don't know, you know, we can be faster, but sometimes 
you can be faster because you know you you bring the teams together and it's super important when you're just starting and you know you have just a few few developers and you know this ability to understand both codes can give you this this extra oomph um to move forward fa faster because if you would do your mobile stuff in native then it's you know it will be very hard and javascript and swift and kotlin is, is they they don't have much in common yeah yeah that's that's definitely true and i think it uh, also echoes a bit the react native motto i don't know if it's still a motto but it used to be in the beginning uh learn once write anywhere so it's not about writing it once and having it the it's not about sharing the code so writing the code once and uh, running it on different platforms but it's about learning the concepts and then being able to contribute uh to any platform exactly what you said and web developer could contribute to 80% of a react native code base as long as they know redux or mobex or whatever state management is used there uh, they understand the, the life cycle of React components and they can write clean TypeScript code, then I see no problem of them contributing on most of the day-to-day -day work. And I, I think, yeah, I think yeah, it's I think a very it's a important point. So, because as you said, uh, when you were talking about the soft skills of architects, I think between the lines I, I read it as, I heard it as, um, the bigger the organization is, the more difficult it is to actually share code uh, because there are more people involved, more buy-in the architect, architect has to collect, and uh, it's more difficult is to make big architectural changes in general. However, even if you're not able to share the code, it's usually fairly easy to share the developer skill sets. and may uh, allow them to move between web and uh, and mobile especially with when using react and react native i think it's a great tool for that yeah if you are an open-minded company that's that's something which is easier to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and open-minded developer <laughs> that's true as well right but you know you you as a as a manager you are in the charge of of getting this kind of people to your team so you can move faster i guess another topic <laughs> definitely <laughs> yeah. another topic definitely okay I, I think that's a i think that this motto which you mentioned uh learn once use everywhere i think that's something it's a very good motto to finish the, the episode with and to 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 keep it in mind um yeah if you don't have anything to add uh, actually, I, I do. It's uh, not on the topic that we're talking about because I think it's uh, pretty well summed up and uh, we can leave the listener with that. But I think there's one thing that we tend to forget mentioning those podcast episodes. And of course, it's our wonderful sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Brains and Beards, which is the company where we work and we help companies build better mobile applications. So if you want to support this podcast and make it uh, give us uh, more time to, to spend on those episodes, one of the ways you could do it is uh, when, if you have a friend or a colleague who's in need of some mobile app development expertise, you can point them in our direction, which would be brainsandbeers.com. Or if you're a developer who likes the way we approach development and programming in general, uh, and you have uh, skills to create mobile applications, 
then feel free to reach out to us because we're we're hiring uh, like everybody's right right is there anything else that we have missed no i think we're done awesome uh so thanks for your time patrick and see you in the next episode thank you Wojtek, and see you in the next one take care bye bye thank you for listening to the episode Please subscribe if you haven't yet, and if you like our show, consider sharing it with your friends. You will find notes to this episode on our page, brainsandbeards.com podcast, where you can as well leave us feedback or suggest a topic for the future episodes. We would be very happy hearing back from you. Stay safe and curious. Till the next one. Bye.